And great day to you. Thank you for joining me on this edition of Focus on Fertility. I'm your host, Dale Bader. And today we're going to be talking about trying to keep it steamy while going through infertility as we discuss sexual health with Dr. Becky Lynn. Dr. Lynn joins me today in studio and she provides general obstetric and gynecological care specializing in sexual health and female sexual interest arousal disorder painful intercourse, and she helps treat conditions such as orgasmic disorder, menopause, vulvar disease, and pelvic pain. She is interested in research that examines sexual dysfunction and is an associate professor in the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology at Women's Health at the Division of General Obstetrics and Gynecology at St. Louis University's School of Medicine. She is a proud member of the International Society for the Study of Women's Sexual Health, American Association of Sexuality Educators, Counselors and Therapists, and World Professional Association for Transgender Medicine. She is a fellow of the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, and she's also a bicyclist who once rode her bike from Paris to London to raise money to increase breast cancer research opportunities. Dr. Lynn, thank you so much for joining us for this podcast today. And thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm really pleased to be here talking about such an important topic. Having been through the infertility process myself, and the steaminess of the relationship can sometimes just completely be gone as you've gone through the infertility journey. You know, we're all supposed to be able to enjoy the sexual journey as we go through. as It's part of becoming part of the relationship. Then as you go from there, you wish to have this desire to have children, and so it's just supposed to happen. Right. And over time, it seems like it becomes more of a job, and then it, it becomes a scheduled event, right. and it's gone. Right. So what impacts does infertility have generally on individual sexual health? It has a big impact, and I think sometimes that patients don't realize the impact it has, and that impact tends to carry on after they're done with their infertility treatment, even when they have young children. Um, if you think about it, like you said, sex is supposed to be spontaneous and fun, um, and what happens, it becomes scheduled. We have to have sex at a certain time. If we don't get pregnant, there's feelings of inadequacy, what's wrong with me, am I broken? Um, there's a lot of resentment. It really can affect just the, the scaffolding of a good relationship. And it also um, turns this whole sex thing into a bigger party, for lack of a better term. So it used to be that you and your partner would be you know, alone together, that sex becomes, it, it's your own thing. But now it involves doctors, nurses, blood draws, hormones, um, and it just becomes this whole bigger ordeal that it loses a lot of its enjoyment. And even when that, as you mentioned, you finally get through the end of the journey, it took my wife and I, I'd say months, maybe even a couple of years before it right. seemed like it ever really came back to be what it was right. before we desired to have children. So what can be done to really help it, it maybe the individual steps from even in the beginning stages so that it doesn't fall off the tra track, mm -hmm. especially when you have to go even further down through treatments? Right. So I think just a good awareness that this is a possibility um, is really important. And 
it's very easy to fall into that got to get pregnant, got to get pregnant, this is what we're doing. Um, but you really still want to focus on your relationship and you still want to nurture your relationship. So, for example, you might say, okay, now's the time we have to have sex, but let's have sex when we're not supposed to, like when it's not that timing in order to get pregnant. Let's just focus on each other and, um, you know, focus more towards pleasure and enjoyment instead of the goal of getting pregnant. So even through the whole infertility treatment, it's important to be aware of what's going on. The other thing is that that is really important is good communication because there's so many feelings involved with this and it's a roller coaster ride each you know time you're waiting for that pregnancy test and it's you know ups and downs um, you can sort of get involved in your own feelings and harbor resentments and anger and then you and your partner may kind of separate and not communicate as well. Um, but I think it's really important to continue to um, keep those lines of communication open. The other part um, that plays a role in all of this is ultimately when and if you do become pregnant, um, now you throw kids into the mix. And that in and of itself is difficult for your sex life because for many women, and not all, these are generalizations, once you have a child, now your focus is that child, as it should be. But you don't want to forget about your relationship and continue to work on your relationship um, because it tends to happen, especially in the beginning, after you have a baby or two, if you do infertility or more, who knows, um, that you are getting no sleep. Maybe the baby's sleeping in your bed, but don't do that. That's not recommended. But People tend to do that, um, and it it really takes away from your relationship with your partner. So you might want to consider, you know, getting a babysitter, or leaving the baby with some someone, so you and your partner can go out and spend time with each other and reconnect. Especially after all all of that roller coaster journey that you've been through. And I think that moms sometimes feel guilty. They feel bad. I, I can't leave my baby. I have, to, I have to be there. I'm a bad mom if I leave my child. But it's really the whole family that you want to focus on, too. You can't forget your spouse. You really got to keep. And, and a long-term partnership is, is work. It is. And it's not like the beginning of a relationship when everything is a happy honeymoon, everything's great. You know, as you go down that road, and especially as children grow up, I mean, you're confronted with so many other issues. You still have to work on that relationship. And I, I believe that's true, um, not just for women who've gone through infertility, but for all women in general. We tend to get busy with our jobs and our career and our kids. Um, we can't forget to focus on the relationship. I know several individuals who, you know, obviously once they've gotten married or, or made that first connection and they're not ready for children first, mm -hmm. they're on that birth control. And now they've come off of it in order to be able to have the children. Can can have been on being on birth control for a period of time have any impact on one's sexual desires in any way? So whether or not the birth control pill affects desire is 
kind of the jury is out. But the way that it works, it theoretically could. So the birth control pill, when you swallow a pill, it uh, goes through your liver. And it makes your liver make a protein called sex hormone binding globulin that binds to testosterone um, and makes that testosterone unavailable for use at target tissues. So it's not in your brain, you know, that's telling you, oh, I want to have sex. Testosterone plays a big role in desire, but it's not the only thing that plays a role in desire. So when I see couples um, and a woman has been on the pill and they have low desire, I'll often change them just because I know that we don't want to sop up all the testosterone and keep it bound to that protein. We want it to be available for their brain, the rest of their body. Um, but by the same token, it it's not that straightforward because if you're on a birth control pill, well, maybe now you're, you know, someone who now infertility aside, um, you know, you're, you, you feel comfortable, you're not going to get pregnant, or maybe your bleeding is less on a birth control pill. So, you know, if you're not trying to get pregnant or your bleeding is less, those things can in, improve your drive. Um, but yes, the, the pill can play a role. Now, the question is whether it continues to play a role after you stop. And that's a good question. So it's, I would say it's not definitive. I don't think I've ever seen this written in a paper, but what we do know is that that sex hormone blinding globulin, when you stop the pill, doesn't always go back to what it was before the birth control pill. It goes down, so you have more free testosterone floating around in your blood, um, but it never quite gets back to its initial level. So theoretically, it could play a role. But the thing with drive and sex drive is that it is so complex. It has to do with everything. It has to do with the relationship. It has to do with, you know, even if you have a perfect relationship, it has to do with your ability to communicate. It has to do um, with what your parents taught you, what your religion taught you. Um, it has to do with whether or not you have chronic disease that's playing a role. I mean, things like diabetes and neuropathies, there's so many things that can play a role. Cancer. So I would say that... Um, uh, sex drive issues or low libido um, is the most complex issue that I treat. And it's never just one thing. It's never just due to one thing. Um, it's usually due to several. Um, but infertility definitely has a huge impact on sex drive. You mentioned other uh, medical issues that may lead to it. One of the big issues that we hear about through the infertility world is individuals who may be dealing with endometriosis and PCOS, yes. mm -hmm. could those have impacts on individual sexual drive as well? Absolutely. So um, when you have endometriosis, you may have painful sex or dyspareunia. So if you have painful sex, then you'll have no sex drive because why would you want to have sex if it's going to hurt? So endometriosis definitely plays a role in low drive. And the thing with sexuality is there's, there's several facets to um, sexual issues and, and sexual health. There's, you know, low libido. There's problems with arousal. There's problems with orgasm or, or problems with pain. But they don't happen separately. It's like one of those Venn diagrams where they're all connected. Because if you have pain, you'll have low libido. You may not be able to orgasm. You know, if you um, have low libido, maybe you won't feel aroused. Maybe you'll have vaginal dryness and wetness. So it's, it's just, they all intertwine. So this could also be a factor to 
someone's infertility journey because some of the other stuff may actually be impacting their sexual drive, which if yes. they're not at the, interested in having sex at the right time anyway, right. it's going to have an impact. So there, this is all kind of yes. intertwined and together. Can infertility medications also have an impact, potentially? Um, I think where the infertility medications can have an impact is with your emotions, because there are a lot of hormones going on, can cause depression, but then infertility in and of itself can cause depression. Um, depending on what you get, maybe some vaginal dryness, um, but yeah, that's that's what I would say. And you wanted to add something a moment ago. Um, I was just going to say uh, that the role that depression plays in all of this is big because, you know, there's there's so much stress with infertility. And if you were somebody who had endometriosis, you've probably been through surgeries. You've been through all sorts of medicines to help with your pain. Now you try and get pregnant and you can't. And it tends to be all your friends are having babies. And why not me? Am I broken? And so depression in and of itself can lower your sex drive. And I know you deal with the female side of things, but can males as well be impacted with the, the, the as they're going through infertility and having this less of a desire for sexual help. Absolutely. Because just as a woman might feel like there's something wrong with her, you know, 40% of infertility is male factor. And so, you know, now the, the, on the male side, okay, what's wrong with me? I'm not good enough. And then all of that plays into your ability to maintain an erection and it can lead to depression and so you know I in my practice I I only treat women but yes this this can wreak havoc on men too and I correct me if I'm wrong but I do believe you you counsel couples so you yes. can hear it from both sides potentially yes. so what advice when you counsel the, the individuals from both sides would you give uh, going forward as steps that they can take at this point I think the best steps is to Take time to focus on each other. Um, as I mentioned earlier, to reconnect, take sex out of the, okay, we have to have a baby, have sex when you're not at your most fertile, be pleasure-oriented instead of goal-oriented. I think that's really important for both couples. And then to communicate. Because like I had mentioned, there's all that you know resentment and anger, and that just weighs on the stress of trying to get pregnant. And then there's financial stressors too, with you know infertility. IVF is expensive, and intrauterine insemination. It's just it's very stressful. Um, so with that said, you also um, want to figure out some coping mechanisms for you to deal with stress and anxiety. So I'm a big fan of yoga. Um, it's some people love it, some people aren't into it, but you want to figure out some ways to take that stress, to lower your stress level, which is very, very difficult in this situation. Taking care of yourself. Absolutely. You have to take care of yourself. Yep. And if, you know, for those of you who may be new to our podcast, you know, we've done some self-care uh, podcasts in the past that maybe you want to take a listen to, such as with acupuncture, maybe acupuncture could help you, and uh, some of the other de-stressing mechanisms that we've talked about. Dr. Lynn, this has been very enlightening. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? Um, I guess I would like to add that, you know, we don't always talk about treatment for sexual issues for women. Um, and there is help 
there is treatment. I feel like a lot of women are unaware that there are things you can do to improve your libido, to rekindle the flame. But you hear about the low T clinics all the time. I know, yeah. I know. And for women, it's just not as high on the radar. And but, but there are physicians and nurse practitioners and providers who can help you get through sexual problems. Um, we think they're very important and there are plenty of things you can do. So don't just brush it under the rug and say, oh, well, you know, it's over. It's never going to be like it was. Seek help. Should they start with their OBGYN first? I would probably start with the OBGYN first. Although I will say um, we don't get that much training on sexuality in residency, but I think that's changing because this field is growing. So I would start with their OBGYN first. Um, and if they're not equipped to um, help, then you can always look at the um, International Society for the Study of Women's Sexual Health, or ISSWSH, ISWISH website, and they should have um, a list of practitioners who specialize in this field. And we'll be sure to make sure to have a link in the show notes, and you can get to those show notes by visiting us on our website at focusonfertility.net, so you can click on there. We'll also have contact information for Dr. Lynn, so if you'd like to, uh, maybe you live in uh, the area of Missouri or Illinois, uh, Western Kentucky, and would like to talk with Dr. Lynn in more detail, uh, we'll have contact information as well. Dr. Lynn, thank you so much for spending time with us today. We really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. If you've been trying to start your own family and haven't had success, you're not alone. Millions of people just like you are experiencing the same very personal and painful frustration. Infertility affects men and women equally. The Missouri Center for Reproductive Medicine, MCRM Fertility, can help. MCRM accepts most insurance and you don't need a referral. They offer the most advanced science and technology, including exclusive techniques and the embryo scope. Check them out at mcrmfertility.com. Well, hopefully today's podcast will help you to keep it steamier in the bedroom as you're going through this difficult infertility journey. And a very special thank you once again goes out to Dr. Becky Lynn of St. Louis University for joining us today and helping share tips on keeping your sexual health healthy. And again, if you have interest in speaking further with Dr. Lynn, contact information will be available inside the show notes, as well as contact information will be available through the International Society for the Study of Women's Sexual Health website for those who may not live in the uh, near St. Louis zone, anywhere across the country, you'll be able to find health experts using that website. And again, that will also be included inside the show notes at www.focusonfertility.com. .net. As always, we appreciate you for spending just a little bit of your time uh, to listen to the very latest that we can help provide for you along your fertility journey. If you have a specific topic that you would like to hear covered, or maybe you have some questions that you would like to have answered, please reach out to me by emailing me at questions at focusonfertility.net, and you can get caught up on all episodes by visiting us on our website or by following us on one of the numerous podcasting sources, such as iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, the TuneIn Radio Network, and Podcast One. Well, until we can join back up again next week, we're wishing you the very best on your fertility journey.